God's been doing some mighty things in this house. But I believe it's time that we get deeper into the waters. I believe it's time that we go back past being ankle deep, that we go past being knee deep, that we go past waiting, and we just go ahead and dive in. He's wanting us to dive into his presence. He's wanting us to dive into who he is and in his love. He's wanting us to dive in without hesitation. What's crazy is you see all over the room still the 12 and on August 28th, we celebrated, in here on the 27th, we celebrated 12 years as a church. It actually, our, the anniversary of the actual church is on the 28th, but it became 12 years old. And Pastor Grant spoke a powerful word about the 12, and then Pastor Don last week spoke a powerful word about getting to the oasis and the palm and, and, the, and going into the waters and what God has to do, and he's broke something open. But like I said, he's wanting us to go deep, and What's crazy is we begin to think about what's so big about 12? What's so great about 12? What's, what's such the big deal? If you think about when your kid turns 12, it's because 12 is the time when everything changes. Everything changes. If you look back at adolescence, the things that change is it means that there are physical, mental, emotional, and social changes taking place. Church, God has come to tell you there are mental, emotional, physical, and social changes that he's trying to take place in you to grow you up and grow you out. He's wanting to move. Twelve means growing up. It means getting away from the milk. And beginning to eat some meat. And I believe God's wanting us to begin to chew on the meat of his word. It's enough I get. And sometimes we do need the milk and need things to be separated. But I'm telling you what. God chose you to grow up in him. And to be a firm foundation for what he has decided to be his church. Yes, God. And to get to that point we have to grow. We have to move. And I believe what's crazy is you hear a lot about when somebody turns 12 that, you know, they start to really feel growing pains. They call it growing pains in their muscles and in their joints, and they begin to ache as they continue to grow. 12 is when you feel the pains of growth, yet you still have an excitement for the, what the future must have for you. Think about it. Think back to adolescence. When you see a 12-year-old kid, they feel the pains of growth, but they have all joy and all excitement for what's ahead of them, what's getting ready to take place. And I believe God has brought us here, and you're saying, well, I'm not in my 12th year with you. Well, you stepped in today, so go ahead and just join in because God's trying to do something in his church. This isn't just about remnant. This is about the church, the body of Christ, the bride, that God is trying to grow into a mature bride for him. He's moving. Pastor Brandon said last, well, two weeks ago, he said, when you get to 12, you mean business. But when God gets to 12, he means business. And I want to let you know that, church, the business of God is to grow you and to grow and establish his kingdom. The word 12 literally means that God establishes. And we've heard about, again, the casual Christianity. We've heard about uh, how the cultural culture of casual has to begin to remove itself from the church. We've heard about how uh, God brought us to a place of water and how God uses the living water to take you back to the reflection of foundation. How God is trying to reflect in you the foundation of who you are. The things that are in here that he's trying to begin to purify out with the waters of his love. He begins to take you back to that foundation where you first remember when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, that passion that you have for him. We've heard of these things. We heard of how you don't have to dig for what's already provided for you. God provides. But what I hear from the past two weeks that God has brought us to a place of changing you, reflecting you, and now he wants to establish you. And today we want to talk about how God wants you to be established. He wants you to be established. He wants to begin to let you see yourself as proven in his eyes and proven as he is to you. What does establish mean? It means to show to be stable or on a fixed route and have a clear heading. To be proven, to be recognized or followed by many people. To bring about or generate effect. To make firm. My favorite part about that is to bring about or generate effect. 
God wants to establish you and who you are in him for his kingdom so that it can generate effect out into the world. Yeah. Guys, it's time that we become established. He wants us to generate effect out to the people. He wants us to generate change. Just like in adolescence, he wants us to generate change physically. He wants us to generate change mentally. He wants us to generate change emotionally and socially in you to grow and establish his kingdom here on earth. Not only does he want to do this in you personally, but he wants to do it corporately. He wants to do it outside these walls. He wants to begin to move. I'm just telling you, church, we're moving. And, and I'm telling you something, and I feel this with everything in me, and I, I, I told uh, my husband, I said, you know what? I said, I have a feeling these mountains are getting ready to come down real, real quick and real, real soon. And I said, when it does, it's going to be a representation of the mountains and the things that are placed in our pathway that in year 12, we're getting ready to open wide out into the four fields of his love. And I'm telling you, the, the fields are ripe with harvest. They're ready. No more waiting. No more waiting. Okay, what are you waiting on? To do something. What are you waiting on? No more waiting. Why do you think in the last, what, seven months? I think this is probably one of the longest series we ever did. Which was new, new thing. And we talked about new mind and new you. I'm telling you what, God would not let us get off of it until now. How we begin to shift into that gear. We begin to shift into the twelve. But God specifically told us that we had to continue to stick on the mind because I believe that our minds have to be firm and ready and established in here so that he can begin to build growth. He was foundationally establishing you. He was getting you ready. And church, he was preparing you for growth. And I'm telling you, if you come in, you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, guess what? Awesome thing about technology is every single one of those sermons are on YouTube. And they will encourage you and help you and uplift you. I encourage you to go back through and listen to them so that God can begin to speak into you because he wants to heal your mind. Yes. Yes. Your mind is the greatest gateway. And the enemy knows that once you set your minds on the things of God, you close them off to him. When you set your mind on the things of God, you close the gate to the enemy. I, I love that you said two weeks ago, make sure your foundation is set and the gates are closed because the enemy is looking for gateways. The enemy is looking for gateways. When you close the gate, close the gate. When you close the gate, what happens is the enemy has no room to mess. He has no room to move around and, and begin to set up camp because the gates are closed. The problem we face at that, in, that, uh, in that area is because of you know, when those gateways are open, like I said, he's not going to attack your marriage. He, he's going to come at your insecurity, which is affecting your marriage. And that's where the gateway comes in. Well, the same thing happens in the church. People hesitate to serve or to, to get plugged in and do something because there's a gateway and it, they automatically think they can't. Well, if you're already thinking you can't do something, there's a gateway open because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So then your, your thoughts are fixed on your flesh and on your problem instead of fixed on the God who can solve your problem. And so you got to shut the, the gateways so you can get through the next place God's trying to get you, to establish you, to grow and to do things. How much farther would you be if you would have just said yes to it? If you would have just not hesitated in your own your own mind that, that, that causes you to stop. Or if you would have just kept pushing. You know, like for me, there was times where I just stopped working out. And, because it wasn't about like building muscle. It was about like I want to have longevity and good health in my body. I want to quit being fat. Like just being real because I had fatty liver disease. And I was actually this year supposed to have a transplant. But God healed me. And it was twofold because God healed me. And I did some of the work. But again, up to that point, there was a gateway open of, of lack and not. And so I'm asking, God, heal me. I can't believe I got this. I'm going to have a deal going. I'm going to have surgery and somebody's got to give me theirs and they got to die. And I'm sitting there eating Oreos and chips asking God to heal me when I'm not healing myself. And so it's twofold. God wants to do it, but are you willing to put in the work so we can do it? We're asking God to do some crazy stuff when you're not even moving a muscle about it. So it's twofold. He's, this, this thing is like what Sam said in the youth. Just say less. Do more. Yeah. 
Quit talking about it and be about it. So when there's gateways open and, and, and what God's trying to establish, when you get established, you've got to shut all the gates so that the establishment can go forth. So if not, it's just going to keep opening up and things are going to keep happening. You know, if it's hot and you're wondering why your AC is running so long, it's probably because you've got a few windows open that you need to shut. And you're running your AC so hard that it's not keeping up with the room. Shut the gateways and let it mellow itself out and level out. That's what we're facing. We're causing our own problem. Half of it's up. We're blaming the devil for something you ain't even shut the window on. Just get to the doors and shut them. Get to the source of certain things and shut them. Oh, they just drive me crazy. It's you that chose to be a friend with them on social media. It's you that keeps reading all the posts. Shut the door. Nobody's making you. So if he's trying to establish in all areas, then look at all areas of your life where that establishment is. Are we in here worshiping Jesus? And do we got a gateway of hell and provocative music in your ears when you go home? That's a quiet moment because that's the real stuff. Is it real? Are we good to say yes, yes, it's a new horizon. Hello, hello, peace, hello this. But we go home and we're numb to F this, F that, S-H-I-T this, this and that on your shows you watch. I'm just being real raw, real fast. But the point is, is you've got to look at every gateway and you wonder why maybe the kids are a mess because you let some things in the house that shouldn't be in the house. Or you cuss in front of your kids and don't want them to do. Do as I say, not as I do. What are you letting in? I'm sorry, I'm, I know we got to go, but I'm just telling you, gateways are buck wild. Amen. And the enemy, he just wants to, and then he'll rip it wide open and destroy everything. He doesn't even like you're in this room, that you chose to walk through that gateway. Well, what's sad is we're letting everything in our gate but God. So we're telling yeah. everything else in, in the world that it's open to it. And when God comes, the gates are closed. But why is the enemy sometimes comfortable at your own home? You got to think about that. that you got to chew on that. Sit that in the back jaw and just gnaw on that for a minute. Why? I know this whole thing is about the gateway, but I need to tell you something that you can just chop down and put in your mind and, and think about and go home to your, your family and uh, start going through your house. That seems weird and awkward and, and kind of crazy, but Jesus slapping people with mud and go back seven times and do this a few times and lay on top of this person and do this thing and, and uh, be healed and uh, touch the hem of the garment. Uh, you might need to walk through your house and decide what is in my house that's a gateway that should not be in my house. What books do I have? What movies do I watch? What things that are in my house right now? What's hiding in the drawer? What's, what's, what's that? Uh, who's the devil? Oh, he's the counterfeit. So what's the counterfeit piece I have? I've got stuff hiding somewhere so I can drink it, so it can numb me, so I can smoke it, so it can numb me. What is the counterfeit that's the gateway in your soul, in your home? Think first. Get into that. And that's why it says that the kingdom of God, it's at hand. It really is. It's truly at hand. And if, he, if our body's the temple and he dwells and we walk in it, that what are we allowing to still be open that should be closed? Why do we turn a blind eye to it? And then wonder later why we're still attacked by the enemy in this certain area that I've come to the altar 20 times for. The same thing. If the same thing's happening and you blaming everybody else, you're the center of the attention of it. Where's the gate open? That's where you look. That's why we've talked about it for seven months about the mind and talking about what, okay, if I got to get this in order, then I got to be strong enough in this to get this other stuff in order. And have I created these moments and open gateways that have allowed my kids to grow up in these gateways? Now I have to refocus and retrain them because they're stuck with the habits I've created for them. And now it's a mess. Well, then the enemy comes in and says, you know, it's just too hard. Just might as well leave what's done. What's done is done. This happens with young families. And this happens with just saying old adults. I'm just setting my ways. It's just how it is. No, that's not. That's not how it is. God still wants to use you. The way you see life doesn't have to be that same way. God still wants to transform. See that I'm doing a new thing. See that I'm going to do something new. That I'm going to put a new road. I'm going to put a new river. If he's doing a new thing, 
I don't care what age you are, get on the boat, get in the car, and get on the road. He's still doing it. But if we have gates, it's, it's, it, it, it locks us out. But it reminds me, just a simple analogy. Yeah. I was just thinking of this right now. How many of you have a refrigerator? Uh, no, two people in the room. How many of you have a refrigerator? Yeah. Right? Okay. How many of you have food in that refrigerator? Right? Now, how many of you, when you put food in your refrigerator, you leave it wide open? How many of you yell at your kids for leaving the refrigerator wide open while they're searching for everything? How many have walked out into the garage and the freezers have been open, oh. left open, and stuff's melting on the floor? You know, things like that, okay? Listen. That happened. God is just as simple as that. You don't place valuables in something left open to the enemy to destroy. Okay? So when God is in your heart and he is valuable to you, then you close the door so that you can keep the things that have been purchased for you, which are your freedom to be able to go to heaven and live in eternity with him. You close the door so the enemy can't steal or ruin what has been purchased. You don't waste it. But what's funny is we don't look at God in that simple of a way because, like he said, it's just so hard. Really? It's just opening and closing the door. That's like looking at your kid and saying, dude, shut the door. Oh, I forgot. Reborn and barn, we're not putting AC outside. Remember you, forgot, you forgot that your hand was still on the handle and you opened it and then you just got something out to eat. But you forgot the refrigerator was open. Don't do that anymore. Quit using lame excuses. These are, Quit using them. These are spiritual principles. Because. Well, when we use lame excuses, yeah. what we're saying is life is all about me. I'll do it all Life's all about me. Lame. L A M E. Life's all about me. I just added an extra A if you want to add it, but I'm just saying. You can be la A. Hey, I'm telling you what, some of us are la A because we make too many excuses instead of doing something to change. We have to change. First Peter 5, 8 through 10 says it this way. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore you, confirm you, strengthen you, and establish you. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I want to break that down just a little bit. And you were getting into point one ahead of it, but I it's so good. I, I know. Sometimes sweat. I feel like my legs are trying to keep up with you. Sorry. <laughs> I'll sweat. I know. I think you made me sweat. I'll feel the heat radiating off of you. I just wish Debbie was here. <laughs> I know. We miss her, right? So. We do. We miss her. I want to break that verse down. What are the qualities and characteristics that lead to the establishment of God? It tells you right in this scripture. Number one, to be sober-minded. Yeah. It's good. Being sober-minded is the ability. I'm not just talking about drinking alcohol. I'm talking about the ability to show self-control, to be sensible and composed. Yeah. To be free from intoxicating influences. These are what the changes of mental, emotional, and social, that they take place right here. This is what it means. Yeah. Mentally, emotionally, physically, they take place right here. And you have to ask yourself, just like Pastor Brandon was talking about in different words, what toxic things do I allow to infiltrate my mind, my emotions, and my social life? Well, physically, when somebody is drunk and jacked up, they can't make it, they can't do anything, make any decisions until their mind they sober up, until their mind is sober to even do that. Even with the court system and stuff, so they can't make any kind of decisions and because they don't have their head clear. Yeah. But spiritually, we get all this fog because we're 
I mean, how many decisions has people made based on all the anxiety and the depression and all the stuff that they're struggling with so bad and the things that they're worried about with everybody else and try to make decisions off of that based on a, a feeling that has led them down a path they should never have went down. Well, and if, if Christ is the government over us because 12 means his government and his kingdom, right? Then the government of God and the government of this world, because it's trying to run itself, what's happening is you are influenced by the government of this world, and it is giving you a DUI. And guess what that means? Dying under the influence. You're dying. You're dying. Is that in your notes? No, it's not. It's good stuff. <laughs> You're dying. That's true. And, and I want you to ask yourself, if I had a pair of spiritual goggles that they put on me, the glasses that they put for the impairment, when you have to walk that line, could you walk the line of Christ? Could you do it? Or are you too intoxicated by the things that are around you, the thoughts of your friends and your friends' friends and your friends' friends, because we all have friends that aren't really our friends. Right? Because we think everybody on Snapchat, social media, Instagram, all that kind of stuff, they're all our friends. Are they really your friends? Do you call them? Do you talk to them? Do you make sure and check on them? Do you have a relationship with them? Because thumbs don't create relationships. That's not how you connect to people. I mean, you can, and it's a great way to share and spread the gospel through things, but the real reason we connect is because we're beginning to reach out to others and build relationships and do things, and that's what God's trying to get us back to. He's trying to establish you past the casualty of Christianity of just instantly doing simple things and actually being who you are called to be. The seeds you sow, choose how you grow. That's the fact of it. So why choose to be intoxicated? If God is trying to grow me, then what am I allowing to stop my growth? Wow. This can be habits. Yeah. You have bad habits, they stunt your growth. Right? This is, guys, this is just general science. Right here. Certain habits in our lives can stunt the growth of physical bodies, correct? Certain habits we have in our lives stunt the growth of our spiritual bodies. It just does. What habits do I have? Just like he said, you know, if it's saying at this or the, the other words that are uh, we all know, which, and let me tell you what, if those are the words in your language, I am not trying to be mean. Please, I don't care if you're offended. I'm just going to be honest. It's ignorant. If those are the only four-letter words you know in the whole entire language of the English language, then you have a problem. If you are okay to listen to that all the time, then you have a problem. There are so many more things to read about, learn about, know about, grow about, and be about in this world besides the simple things that make us entertained. We are not meant to be entertained by the enemy. We are meant to trample on his head. Period. It's, it's, God is trying to establish something. Guys, I don't know if you watch culture and pay attention to this stuff. And, and I know, like, at times we're like, man, I don't want to watch the news. It's too far this way, too far that way. And, you know, I, and I get all that craziness. But you still got to pay attention because there's stuff happening. And I don't know if you've realized in the last few years how um, they've portrayed Satan in the center of a lot of things. It's okay at the music awards that he's in the middle of it all doing it. It's okay that this guy swoops down into the devil and pole dances on him. It's okay that... I mean, this stuff is happening all over. It's put blood in his shoe and do all the, all the, and the enemy is right. They're trying to put the enemy right in the center of culture. And then this is the, this is where we're living right here in this moment. We can act like we don't want to see it or, or, or it's real. This stuff is really happening and people are okay and accepting it. And let's do this and let's talk about satanic stuff. Let's go over here and do that. It is the realest thing. This is why it's, it's so important to be established through the, the word of God that it doesn't go void. It, 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 there's, there needs to be a remnant. What's the Bible say? Every time there's chaos happening, they don't know what to do. And somebody raises their hand and says, King, can I talk to you for a minute? There's still a remnant on the, on the north side trying to still hold the standard and still do what's right. There's still a remnant still trying to do it. That, that, that's what God's looking for, not just because of the name of the church. He's truly looking for a remnant of people across the planet to make a stand and rise up and, and declare the word of the Lord. He's looking for
for it. There's got to be an establishment. And what's happened is, again, it goes back to those gateways that we become numb to it. Think about things back in the 70s and 80s that were barely talked about that they're so normalized today. That you barely heard about, but now it's, oh, it's just what it is. Oh, it's just what it is. Oh, it's just what it is today. And it's the craziest stuff because what happens is, is it tries to tear down in our minds. Well, we have too high of a blood toxicity level. What's happened is if we are covered by the DNA, the blood of Christ, then that begins to wash away all those things and get our minds into focus with him. But until you remove yourself from the toxicity, it will continue to infiltrate the DNA that Christ has founded in you. It will always do it. It will always. How do they test if you have alcohol in your in your level by the blood? Right. If you're intoxicated, right, by the blood level. Well, I believe God's trying to give you a blood check today. He's trying to ask you what's infiltrating your blood. And maybe you need to go on a detox for a little while and fast for a little while and separate. And I'm telling you what, I believe now more than ever, we need to fast things more than just food. This isn't even about just food. This is about separating from the things of the world that try to come in and infiltrate the mind. They try to begin to seep in in little ways. I, I won't forget that uh, Zion asked me about a specific game the other day about getting it. If some of your kids have it, whatever, I'm not mad. He just asked me about getting Roblox. I said no because there's some things going on with that game right now that until you pass certain levels in the dark that these kids get into that are sexual things that you have to pass to be able to go to the next level. How about no? And my son said, well, my, why, Mom? And I said, because I said no. Well, I don't, I don't care. You can be mad at me all you want. I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to actually be a supervisor and parent you and tell you. Now, like I said, if your kid has that game, maybe you didn't know that there's these things to them. If they do, I'm not mad. You could be a wonderful supervisor that really knows what's going on. That's okay. That's in your home. For me, I just, right now, I, I'm going to keep my gates closed. I don't have room to mess because the enemy can take a crack and begin to spread it, and spread it, and spread it, and that's why we begin to become numb, because he's come in so easily, and just slipped in over time, we don't even notice him anymore. Right. Not a big deal, right? Sober-mindedness is the foundation of a strong, godly life, growth, and producing fruit. If a person cannot govern himself, if he cannot master his passions, he will certainly not have a good relationship with his fellow man or God. So reminded this. Number two, the scripture says resistance to the enemy. James 4, 7 says surrender to God, resist the devil, and he will run from you. Resist means to withstand and not allow something to have an effect on you. To refrain from doing or having. So pretty much what I'm hearing in this is the less you give the enemy the time of day, the more he'll choose to get away from you. This is like the bully system all right here. Schools need to hear this. Now, some bullies are awful, and they come back no matter what. But what I'm learning right here is that the enemy doesn't keep Hitting on people who quit paying attention to him over and over and giving him room. Now, will he come out and attack? I'm not talking about spiritual warfare. I'm talking about just giving him room in your home. Yeah. Just the basic things. That way, when he does come to attack you, you're guarded. You're firm. You have the ability. Because you don't have holes in your base camp and in your walls and in your gates that have already allowed him to get in. He already knows. The more time you give God, the less time you have to entertain the devil. The more time you give God, the less time you have to entertain the devil. Sober-mindedness and resistance go hand in hand. You have to have self-control to have the ability to say no when the world around you screams yes. Even if the world is your mind. You have to have the ability to say no. Even when the world around you screams yes. Uh-huh. Number three, be firm in your faith. 
position. To hold this position in our faith means that we are not circumstantial Christians, but rather we are committed to the cause of Christ, no matter what life may throw at us. We are not circumstantial. That means that no matter what hell I may be going through, I'm going through it and I'm not going there. I'm going through it. And some of us in, in lately have been going through hell. Whether it's physically, whether it's mentally, whether there's financial, whether there's other things. Let's be honest, we live hell on earth. I'm just being honest. The things that we see anymore, that's all hell because that's from the devil. That's, that's his world. That's what he likes to play in. But the fact of it is, is we have the ability to stand firm when we quit allowing ourselves, our Christianity, to be, be based on what circumstances we're facing that day. Yeah. What circumstances we're facing. No, no matter how hard it gets, I'm committed to God. Yeah. I'm committed. I, I'm, I can hold my commitment. When I said yes to Brennan and that I was going to, I've been committed. He knows that. I'm committed. Christ said, in me 
you will have peace. We try so hard to, like when we struggle with something that we think, well, if this would just be fixed, everything would be good. But peace is with Christ. That's where peace comes from. That's right. Not because not somebody gave you a bunch of money and you're like, wow. Because eventually, guess what? It runs out. And then you're not. Or if your health goes down and you're just like, I just don't have peace because my health's down. Christ is trying to establish something in you so that you understand that when he's the center of it all, no matter what you go through, that you're good. If your health decides to go some way or something happens in the final, that you're still good, that you have a source, that anchor of your soul is him. But too many times we chase stuff and we make rash decisions based on what we think peace is. Because I didn't have that, so I need that. Or this is happening to me, so I need to fix that. First, get to the source. That's God. Let Christ be the center of everything you do. And then watch everything else unfold. And just like the, the three Hebrew boys said, even if, even if he does not save us from this fire, we still will not serve you. Even well, I feel like the Hebrew boys were cocky enough that they were telling the world, peace out. <laughs> because I've got peace in. So good. I don't care about whatever's happening out here. I've got peace right here. That is so strong that no matter what I'm facing, it says, I have said these things to you that in me, say it again, that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. Now, can we take note of two of one key word in this that said twice. Well, it's not said twice. It said once right there, but it's guaranteed. It says, in the world, you will. That's a guarantee. That's not, oh, maybe. You might. Some of you might live the best life ever, and the other of you, your life's going to be horrible. That's not how God lives. He just says, you will face tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Romans 5, 3 through 4 says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Amen. Everyone faces growing pains, guys. How many of you feel like you're in a season of growing pains? Yep. Right? right? Everyone faces them. Everyone faces growing pains, and often these don't come in the shape or form that we want them to. God never gives us growing pains the way we want them to. You want to know why? Because he deals with the things that we don't want him to. <laughs> right? The place, and God spoke this to me, the place of your pain creates fertile ground for growth and the manifestation of his presence. The place of your pain creates fertile ground for growth and the manifestation of his presence. His presence then has the ability to establish you and his kingdom in you. And I heard God speak this to me. He said, don't allow your suffering to become your excuse, but rather your effectiveness. Wow. Don't allow your suffering to become your excuse, but rather your effectiveness. Yep. If establishment means creating effectiveness in the world, then no matter what you have going on, you have no excuse to be effective for the kingdom of God. That's good. That's hard to take. When you feel awful and you go in and you're somewhere and you're just like you want to get out and somebody breaks down and they're crying and they look at you and say, can you pray with me? And all of a sudden the spirit of God begins to come over you and you forget yourself and you remember who he is and what they need. God's plan was establishment of his kingdom in man from the very beginning. What he did not accomplish through the two, Adam and Eve, he did through the twelve, the disciples. What he did not accomplish through the two, he did through the twelve. We're in twelve. He did not choose twelve ordinary men just to follow them around and create groupies. He didn't do that. He chose 12 ordinary men who could be relatable to people to share in their sufferings and establish his kingdom principle in the hearts of men to build his church. Do you guys realize he chose suffering people? He chose people who needed him more than ever to bring about the need for him. And the thing of it is, 
Jesus. Once you receive him, you have to put your need of all these needy little things to the side and realize that there's a greater need in this world, which is Jesus Christ. To the lives that are around you, put your head up. Put your ball in your pocket or your purse where you can't have it. Or your pocket for men. I was trying to think, of, if you have a man purse, you're cool. So just put it in there. Whatever you need to do, I'm just trying to tell you. Put it away. What's a man purse? Oh, no, it's a thing, I guess. A satchel. A satchel. Yeah. You know. Let's keep moving. Uh, there's a man's event coming up. Leave your satchel at home. So, anyways, this is the thing, though, about it. Put it away. Yeah. What is so important right here when you walk into the grocery store? Okay, you may have your grocery list on it. Whatever. Okay, I get it. But the fact of it is, is you take time to see the people who are around you. Look up. Look up. Look around. Be intentional. I was allowed on Friday to minister to somebody who needed God. And guess what? At that time, I had had my phone with me in my hand. I set it down on that counter. And at that moment, it rained five times. I had something going on, and I chose not to even look down. My eyes were up and focused on who needed me at that minute. Amen. To the point that Brandon had tried to call me. I didn't even answer it. And he finally comes in, and he sees me crying, sees her crying, and he's like, oh. You know what I'm saying? Like, because God wants to use you. Well, because that moment, when you think about it, when you, I, I'll say it like this. God, you okay? I'm hot. You are hot. Okay, so. Um, <laughs> sorry, that slipped out. My bad. Um, what God's trying to do is he's wanting to establish the supernatural being natural in our lives. So when you see your wife crying with somebody else, you're like, oh, I get it. <laughs> you just know that God's doing something in the moment. You don't question it. You just go with it. I think that's what he's looking for in the church in general. When is the supernatural just going to start being natural in people's eyes and just walking around? It, yeah, it might look foolish to the people that, that don't know who God is. But it should not look foolish to the ones that say they're a Christian. Why is it so foolish to some people? That's crazy. But it needs to start being natural to them. The supernatural. And then as God softens the heart, as the Holy Spirit convicts the soul and it all comes together, then people's eyes are open to the, who God truly is. And then they start walking in it. So when that moment happens, when we stay focused, when we're, we're out and about, because we're pretty selfish when we're out and about. A lot of times. Why? Because we have a goal. We want to get to where we're going. We have a list. We've got to do this. i got this, this, and this to do when I'm out and about. We already know gas is almost $4 a gallon, so i got to get there and get back, and I'm done. But in the midst of your chaoticness, God's trying to drop something right in the middle of it. Can somebody touch the hem of the garment? Can somebody see you and not see you, but actually just see Jesus in you because they just might need that and maybe that's the only Jesus they actually see. Well and it starts honestly let's be honest it starts in your family. Yep. It starts at home. Yep. Take time. Yep. Take time. Put the phone down. Guess what? I love you all but sometimes I'm not going to answer because I'm sorry but I'm not the answer to every emergency that you have. Jesus Christ is. Go to him first. Then maybe I might have an answer. And if I don't have an answer, I'm sorry. Because I will tell you this. There are moments when this rings or will go off so much that I have to put it down. Because what I have in my home is ministry. And I have to focus on that as well. And spend time not to answer everything. Sometimes you just got to know. Everything doesn't have to be answered right away. That doesn't mean that I don't love you. And if you just got butt hurt, I'm sorry. Put new pants on. <laughs> Because the fact of it is, is I have learned anymore that the moment that we begin to just focus on what God is doing where we are and be intentional in those moments, he opens and creates time for all things. Yeah. To be good to all things. It starts. It's establishing. How do we let God establish us? First Peter 5.10 says, 
And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Amen. Number one, you allow him to restore you. I'm not just talking about like restoring your body and everything like that. Yes, God wants to do that. But you know the restoration that God spoke to me? Restore means to bring back. Psalms 51.12 says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. God wants to restore the joy of your salvation in your life. I believe if we begin to be happy about the things that God has done right in here, it brings an overwhelming sense of joy that no matter what you're facing, even though there are moments you may break down, there are moments you may be frustrated, there are moments that you may cry, there are moments you may be weak, but there's something about the joy of the salvation of God that begins to bubble up in you that keeps you grateful for the things and the places of where you are. How do you think that Paul made it in prison sitting in his own feces? You think he was happy? Mm. No. No. But something about the joy of the love of God that had changed him and rescued him and saved him. He knew it was worth his suffering. He knew it was worth where he was to reach people. The joy. When was the last time you looked back on what God brought you out of? Not to rehash it. Not to just rehash and be like, oh, what was me? But to shame the devil. When was the last time you looked back on what God did? To shame the devil. Your testimony is your ability to share how you got through your, through your test and only with the help of Jesus Christ. Your testimony is to share how you got through your test, not waller in the test that you suffered in so that everybody else can feel sad for you and your story and forget about actually who brought you out of it. Amen. People get, people get trapped in this story because of, oh, really? Now, hold on. I get that. But if you don't bring them around to the fact like it only was through Christ. If it was just about you and this crazy story and you forget about who brought you through it, then you're just telling another story. Because you got to help lead somebody somewhere else. I know this ain't working for you. But let me tell you, Christ was the one that did this. Got to keep Christ in the center of it. Every opportunity as you're established and you know who God is in your life, your mind is focused on who he is. Every, I promise you this, and you pay attention to it, you can turn every conversation into a conversation leading to Jesus. Well, because your greatest testimony is just the basic salvation of God. Yeah. That, that's the greatest testimony. Not everybody has to hear every event of your story. Sometimes they just need you to shut up, listen, and tell them that God loves them. It's good. <laughs> Number two, you allow him to confirm you. Confirm. To strengthen in judgment or purpose. Yeah. When you begin to let God establish you, you begin to walk in purpose and not your own. You walk in his purpose, not your own. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in the mind of God, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Yeah. If you wonder why your plans are not succeeding, maybe they're not his plans. Come on. Just a way to check it. If your plans are not succeeding, ask yourself, are they his plans? If they're not his plans, they're not going to succeed. And sometimes the saying of, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again, doesn't fit to the plans that aren't his. It's, it's challenging because when you live life and you're trying to, one, be established in God, but also even with your family and stuff, I want, I want every step I take that is led by Christ himself. I want to be led by the Spirit of God and however I take my steps. So are they of God? And, and it doesn't matter. Like, just because some things look good on the outside doesn't mean that they are good for you. Does that make sense? So, it, and it doesn't even matter about, it, let's just say it like job situation. It doesn't even matter about that. I'd rather take a job with less pay knowing I'm in the perfect will of God than a job with more pay and more headache. 
Just because the money looks good doesn't mean that's what God's will was for me to go. Because I have to start thinking. I'm just not thinking about me and money and having money and doing all these things. i got to think, what's God's will in my life? Because it's not only about what I'm going to do. I know he's going to provide. But who are the people that is going to be in the path of me that I'm going to help lead to Christ? God might put you in a position for a reason that has nothing to do with finances or anything else. It just might be for some people that need him. Are you willing to sacrifice, go suffer, yeah. so that he can get to somebody else? Because he knows you're strong enough to do it. Wow, that's, I mean, that's mind-blowing. You've got to really take a deep look at that because that is mind-blowing because we chase it so much. And, you know, can I just say something real quick? Money's not evil. Uh, prospering is great. Having things, that's fine. That doesn't... Doesn't bother me. That don't even bother God. I mean, he's got streets of gold. He said the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money. The love of it. He doesn't care if you prosper. He, don't care. I mean, he wants you to be successful and prosper. That love part of money, that starts taking you somewhere you don't want to go. And that takes you away from your family. It takes you away from so many, many things. But you got to be careful because we live in a world that is money hungry. Well, we want things to work for our favor. Yeah. Not for the favor of God, but for Absolutely. our favor. When was the last time you truly asked God to use you for his purpose yeah. without trying to manipulate his hand to benefit your plan? Yeah. When was the last time you just said to God, whenever, whatever, however, your plan? Mm. That's good. Not mine. We get it from God. He says, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wait. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's his purpose, not ours. Let God confirm to you his purpose in all things so you can establish his kingdom in the earth more effectively. No more wishy-washy thinking or commitments, but firm decisions. No more wishy-washy thinking. Number three, you allow him to strengthen you, strengthen, to make you stronger, fortify you, make you secure, and build you up, and build up your endurance to encourage. I believe God is encouraging his church right now to keep going, keep moving forward, and keep growing. He's trying to strengthen you. It's our prime time. This is the time of changes physically, mentally, emotionally, and socially. Your father knows you are in adolescent stage and you have, are going through and getting ready to hit major changes and he is cheering you on, saying the future is coming. It's getting ready to take place and I'm growing you so you can be the men and women of God that I have prepared you to be to reach people. Whether he's doing it in the church or building itself, physical changes, physical things that take place, spiritual things that take place, whether he's doing it in the church itself, or if he's doing it in you, or if he's doing it in me, God desires to give us strength and endure through these changes so that others may be directed to him. And number four, let him establish you. Let him establish you. When you are established by God, you draw others to want to follow his presence and build up the establishment. That's like, have you ever driven around and looked at newly built homes that are amazing and you just, I, I mean, we like to drive, we like taking drives, but there are times like we will just drive through neighborhoods and, and sometimes even some of the older homes, like I don't think you guys realize the history that's here in Terre Haute, that when you drive through places and you look at something, you look and you're like, man, somebody built that. And it's beautiful, and the details are amazing. It's been established, and it's here. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's some things to look around. That's how God wants you to be to the people around you. Not that they're looking at you, but they can see the things that God has established in you that make them want to keep peeking in to see the goodness of God. He wants them to, you know, keep on doing drive-bys until they come to the point that they're like, hey, what do you got going on? Why are you so different? What's so good? Or just stop and begin to start talking to you about something different. They not, may not even ask about you. We've had it happen where people have just stopped and talked, and all of a sudden they're telling us their whole life story.
What was their name? We didn't even get it, but they knew something was going on, that that was a safe spot to begin to talk, and God begins to use it. He wants to show himself as proven in you time and time again so that others will recognize him and desire to follow him. Do others see your suffering, or do they see your salvation? What do they see? Do others see your suffering? Now, listen to me. I'm not saying that we don't go through sicknesses and things like that or pain or loss of loved ones. That, that's general. The Word of God says there's a time and season for everything. But if all others see are my problems and my suffering and they don't see the salvation of Jesus in Christ in me, then I have begun to let my suffering be my excuse and not my effectiveness. I want to be effective for Jesus Christ. When you choose to let him establish you, you become willing to generate change. You become willing to generate change and affect change in those around you for his glory and not your own. This is your year of change. So let your changes lead to establishment. A life established by God is a life used by God for whatever he wants, whenever he wants. I want to have to read this. What is this? Sorry. 1 Peter 2, 4 through 10. This is in the message. Welcome to the living stone, the source of life. The workman took one look and threw it out. God set it in the place of honor. Present yourself as building stones for the construction of a sanctuary, vibrant with life, in which you'll serve as holy priests, Offering Christ-approved lives up to God. Ooh. Hold on. Did you hear that? Present yourself as building stones. See, God is our, he's our great cornerstone. He's our foundation. Present yourself as building stones for the construction of a sanctuary vibrant with life. Two things. It's twofold. God is trying to establish his kingdom and he needs you. Number two. It's almost hand in hand, physically. What's God looking for? What have we been talking about? God is doing something in this house and we he's needing the people. Present yourself as a building stone. I don't know about you church, but I'm a building stone. So present yourself as a building stone for the construction of the sanctuary. I don't know if you saw last week, but there's a sound system and some other stuff sitting right here because it got presented and it's ready to be installed you see what I'm saying? God's trying to do something for real. And the next project this church needs, honestly, where we're going is to get this sanctuary ready physically for what God's about to do. Physically. Mountains coming down, new lighting, new sound system, the whole nine yards. And God's already been laid it on somebody's heart and gave towards that, which was amazing. A new digital board and stuff. Listen, present yourself a building stones to the construction of the sanctuary. Vibrant. With life. So what does that take? That takes two things. That's going to take saying, you know, eventually, and we're going to talk more about it. Eventually, I need to get one of these and see what I can do to help give to, to, to this uh, build this house project. To see this transform. To see more chairs put in this room. To see this whole place transform. And then I love this next part. In which you'll serve as holy priests offering Christ-approved lives. Wait, hold on. Huh? You said, you'll, so you mean it's not just you and I's job and no. mom and dad's job no. and Deb's job and Sam's job and Haley's job? Like, you need a hug. No, I'm sweating. <laughs> no, but listen, can I say something? It's just not the priest. Can I say something weird that's going to like maybe shake you up a little bit? When you look in the mirror and realize that you are a priest, You'll start to take note and do the things God's called you to do. In the Old Testament, priests were only allowed into the temple, into the holies of holies. They would put bells on, they would put string on, and if they dared not to hear that noise anymore, they would drag them out because something happened and they died. It's that deep. And you're saying, well, I'm not a priest. Can I, can I shake you up a little bit? When Christ died on the cross, what tore? Say it a little louder. What tore? Why did the veil tear that we have full access into the 
We have full access to, it says, come boldly before the throne of God. Only the priests were allowed to go in back in the day. Jesus Christ changes the game of everything. It says, you are a priest. You are a priest. You have access. Only the priests, look, I'm changing the whole thing. I'm going to dwell inside of you, and you get to come right in the inner courts with me. So read that part again. Present yourself. I'll read it from here. It says, present yourselves as building stones for the construction of the sanctuary, vibrant with life, and which shall serve as holy priests, offering Christ approved lives up to God. The scriptures provide precedent. Look, I'm setting a stone in Zion, a cornerstone in the place of honor. Whoever trusts in this stone as a foundation will never cause to regret it. Mm. To you who trust him, He's a stone to be proud of. But to those Say who refuse to trust him, Say the stone the workmen threw out is now the chief foundation stone for the untrusting. Right. Go ahead. A stone to trip over, a boulder blocking the way. Stop. For the untrusting of God, that cornerstone becomes a stone to trip over, a boulder blocking the way. People getting real confused real quick. Well, I'm, it's in my path. I ain't got no way. He, it's him. He's in your way. He's trying to get you to understand who he is. So when you understand who he is, now he's out of your way. He's walking with you. That's the problem where people, they distrust and they run from God. And now oh, I'm, I, got tr I keep tripping up. I keep messing up. It's him. Yep. He's trying to tell you, come home. Yes. Come home. Get back. Get your... Get your stone put back in position. Build the church. Go ahead, sorry. Okay, I'll go ahead. They, they trip and fall because they refuse to obey just as predicted. But you are the ones chosen by God. Hey. Chosen for the high calling of priestly work. Hey. Chosen to be a holy people. Yes. God's instruments to do his work and yes. speak out for him. To tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. Hello. Testimony. Go. From nothing to something. From rejected to accepted. Stand with us. We're going to get out of here. Wow. From something. From nothing to something. God's doing something. And I'm telling you, get on board. We're going to be talking about this later. Hopefully, in the end of this month, we're going to open those kids' classrooms so we can get these little kids in their classroom and get the volunteer. We're thankful for the volunteers as people start volunteering. And well, as you say that, I know she's that, looking. And, hey, and, you, you did stop to me. I'm going to push pause. So pause. Uh, she actually, literally, just to let you know, I don't know if you've seen it on Remnant Kids. And not a part of that just because you don't have kids and kids shows doesn't mean you shouldn't follow that and support and promote it the thing about it is is this is that they went back and cleaned out all those rooms yesterday and got them ready they are preparing now let me tell you what going back to that god made you workers for the priestly work which guess what that includes serving kids and i'm telling you something our goal is to open those rooms the first week of October. Somebody should be excited about that. You know that it's been since COVID since we've opened those rooms. You know how de devastating that is? It's too long. You know how many people have crapped out? Yep. And cried and complained that they didn't want to do it? And it's just like a slap in the face to Jesus when he's holding all the kids and says, don't forsake the kids. But I can't, but I can't, but I can't. What gate do you have open? And that's where, where it's, it, it's not here. All the, I'm, I'm just saying, it, it's across. Go to any church and ask them about your kids' ministry. And they'll tell you the exact same thing. We're struggling. We're, why in the heck is a kids' ministry struggling when they're the generation that's going to leave the church? Which is what's sad is it's not struggling like it's really been growing. No. Those kids back there are doing amazing. Not the kids. What's sad is they are busting out the seams and we need your help. They're growing, guys. Yeah. They're growing. Yeah. I'm not just saying that because I'm like, we need your help. It's like a stinging broken record. We need 
Maybe if we actually had church back there and us serving the kids. Well, maybe if just the worship team and everybody went back there, then y'all would come helping kids ministry. <laughs> you freaked out one Sunday if you came in here and nobody was there because we chose to be the workers. Would that be crazy? We should do it. We should. I'm crazy enough to do it. I've already done it. I've already left the platform and served back there. Yeah. Because the fact of it is, is they're important. Absolutely. And I'm not saying this to guilt you into anything. No. I'm just telling you what's one Sunday a month. And honestly, if everybody involved correctly, it could be one Sunday every two months, one Sunday every three months. Because we have enough volunteers that are so overjoyed to give to the children to sow seeds. I'm telling you what, I'm going to say it again. What you sow is what you grow. And even if they're little, you know, at times you look at it and you're like, okay, we're trying to teach them because in the end, I don't know, it, you're not here early, but uh, these, I don't know what was going on back there, but they were singing, they were worshiping on the mics and going off back there. But th that's the whole thing. All right, honey, you're going to do, you're going to do a great here. You want to sing with us? Okay, cool. Help lead them into worship. And they're leading kids or leading kids, their peers into worship. Oh, did God give you something to say? Okay, well, here, say this. Okay, go ahead and say it. It, they're, you're teaching and, and showing them the, the gospel, but it's our example. God's creating a foundation. We're going to sing this. I know they are, but I'm going to plug this since we said it. Back on that table are these cards right there, or even a um, eight by eight and a half by eleven that has this on there. If you would like to scan this and take it and go to our forum and say, "I'm a volunteer." You know what? God, I believe, wants to do something in you to do amazing things back in that kids ministry. Take your moment, take your time. 